This week on the Push for Legs podcast, we have Mr. Rich Senewold as our guest. And to be honest, we talk about nothing. Nothing at all. Two, one. The winds are changing, Dan. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Poor Legs podcast with myself, Dan Meek. And me, Tom Hall. We are joined today by a very special guest, a good friend of mine um, from years gone by, ever since I first got in the industry. One of my friends and mentors as well, he's taught me a lot uh, along the way. Um, welcome, Rich Senewold. <laughs> What's going on, Rich? <laughs> Yeah, uh, not much, thank you. Um, that was flattering. That was—I don't think I've been referred to as any sort of positive role model. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rich, you're sat there. You're the first and only guest of ours to ever drink a martini while filming a podcast. <laughs> so this is my first, so it's not going to be as off the hook as it could be. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing: is this this podcast could get a bit heavy. It could get a bit deep, but um, we're we're shooting from the hip. We're going for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So obviously, I think most people, maybe who have followed me, will probably know who you are, Rich. But just a very brief uh, background. You don't have to go back too far. Um, who you are, what you do. I always find this question really hard to answer because I don't even know anymore. It's, uh, <laughs> it's. I fell into this industry very uh, sort of coincidentally. Um, after not enjoying laboratory work and everything I was educated to do. Um, so I guess the the most interesting thing for the people who will be listening, I am currently and historically, actually, I look back at what I've done in the past and I realize I've actually been teaching since early 2005. Didn't realize because uh, I forgot that I was actually doing teaching-related roles since then um, as well as coaching. But this, this particular role I'm thinking of was actually language teaching rather than uh, fitness training. Or Now I essentially would see myself as a tutor. That's when people ask you what you do for a living, you probably have the same problem. It's very, very difficult to <laughs> explain what you do. So I kind of settle with I'm a tutor. I, te- I help personal trainers, mostly personal trainers, uh, get through courses which are run by a company I work with certified courses to improve their knowledge and nutrition, primarily. Um, but yeah, it's not limited to personal trainers. We have people who've done our courses, which we'll probably talk about at some point. Um, we have people who've done our courses who've gone on to do undergraduate degrees as well. So they're good courses because, you know, universities, they don't fuck around. You have to be all right at what you want to do. Well, we, do both, we both managed to get into one. Yeah, so. exactly. We're, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. sitting pretty here, right? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I guess that round and about, that's kind of what I do. When I work with Dan, um, so where I know Dan from, uh, we were part of a company that sort of, in fairness to the company, was one of the first companies to really push into online education for personal trainers in that, in that sense. Um, and now we're not. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> no, we're not. That's, that's true, Rich. Yeah, now we're not. Um, it's... Uh, it's, it's funny you say that though, because about the about the job title and being called a tutor, I think that's a really good um, a really good job title for you. I think actually, because it kind of it kind of encompasses quite a few things in mentoring, teaching, um, all that side of things. Because when people ask me what I do, and I kind of go that I do not want to say I'm a nutritionist because that just yeah. sounds real dodgy. And even right. when I was a trainer, it was kind of like, do I want to be called a personal trainer? Because again, the stereotypical view of that is very kind of like. Oof. Don't want to look like that, and and me and Tom have had talked about that so many times. Uh, it's difficult. It's the term that the public understand. They know what a personal yeah. trainer is. Yeah. If you say you're a coach, they don't know what you are. Even though <laughs> a coach is better. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that's the mad thing that people can walk around with coach on their back, no matter what they do. Um, and the, again, with the personal trainer as well. Is personal trainer protected? Is that a protected title? I know nutritionists. Uh, I don't think you technically. Well, this, this is the thing. We're all jumping way into what you said. You might want to talk about. Um, none of those titles mean anything and no one can tell you not to wear those titles on your back and the governing bodies that try and protect the titles aren't worth shit anyway (laughs) she's very true I mean that's that's... it's it's amazing that yeah there's there's certain like uh, 
I don't know, there's there's certain companies and job titles that people strive towards as well, especially maybe in yeah. the nutritional world that that happens a lot. I know in the S&C world, maybe from my point of view, uh, the UKCA stuff and the CSCS stuff is getting yeah. uh, looked at quite heavily right now. Um, but I guess your world is more nutrition based and anything, is there any, any kind of, uh, yeah, what, what's being looked at? Is there any uh, certifications that don't aren't, aren't worth their weight in gold with the name after it or? The thing is, so the, the courses that I run with my colleague, Dr. Gary Mendoza, who, um, for anyone who doesn't know him, he is a lecturer at Bath and Cardiff University. Yeah. Um, he has his doctorate is in nutritional studies. Um, is, he did his main research on uh, behavioral change strategies for weight management. So he is very clued up. Um, so the, the courses that we run, we get them accredited through a body called the Association for Nutrition, the AFN. Um, they are probably out of all the independent and people who follow different independent bodies will argue this of all the independent bodies that kind of govern the people within them they're probably the most closely working with official government bodies um, but outside of that the only other people who on a professional level can offer nutritional advice would be the dietitian. And that's protected by the government. It's, it's basically the only protected title. Um, in terms of we, when we talk later about like, the future of nutrition, the AFN have got a good case for wanting to sort of protect a couple of titles, associate and registered nutritionist, and then after that, dietitian. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to kind of create a proper educational route for this area of the industry. Whether that can be done or not is ridiculously long in terms of discussion because um, you've got like nutritional therapists who have their own governing body the british academy of nutritional therapists and they train through universities as well and they state that they do clinical work which is basically just like talking therapy um and yeah they're, they're insured and, and they're governed by their governing body but any advice they give isn't necessarily protected by you know, the dietitian protection that they would have as a proper recognized um, title. It's it's a very confusing industry, and, and you can see why so many people uh, are quite happy to just call themselves whatever the hell they want. At the end of the day, yeah, if somebody doesn't question it, then I guess somebody can keep on doing it, to be honest. So, Dan, I always, yeah, uh, when, when people uh, ask what you do, I say performance nutritionist. Is that wrong? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different there's so many different things that people use, um, and and it comes down a little bit, a little bit, I guess, to marketing. A little bit is like, how do you want to be thought of? Um, and I've yeah. settled on nutrition coach because I think that coaching people kind of understand what coaching is. It kind of suggests that I'll help you do something, or I'll help you along the way, or I'll teach you how to do things. Yeah. Um, and I think the term nutritionist, people assume you're just going to hand out a really boring generic kind of eat this eat that and that's not really what we do uh, we tend to coach people and we actually improve their knowledge along the way and that's kind of i've settled with nutrition coach for now um the dilemma that you have there is do you use the term that the public or the people that you're marketing to will understand which is nutrition something <laughs> or knowing what we know about what goes on within the industry, do you choose the title that makes you feel more comfortable about referring to yourself as it? Mm. Which would be straight up just coach or whatever you might choose. Same with yeah. personal trainer. You, you don't like calling yourself a personal trainer, but that's what the public know. They know what a personal trainer is. Yeah. They don't yeah, know what yeah. an S&C coach is. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah, a dilemma. It's, it's saying you're a strength and conditioning coach doesn't mean anything to anyone except us three maybe here and people listening. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's, that's so, when, yeah, refer to yourself as now and suck it up. <laughs> I think when also you say, like, I think this is a conversation I'm, I'm sure we've all had if we when we do online personal training and people assume that you kind of work out on Skype with somebody or they're just kind of working out in front of you. I've had that like, what? How does that work? Like you just, you kind of, on their computer on the gym. I was like, of course not. No. What the <laughs> fuck does that? You could, it, <laughs> you could, yeah. Fair play. But that'd be really odd, wouldn't it? It's like we've seen it before. But also nutrition coach Dan kind of sounds like you sit next to somebody whilst they're eating and kind of just coach them through 
yeah save your save the most favorite bit until last that's what everyone <laughs> do. um yeah i guess i guess it's just it's just down to personal preference and i, and I, I think i've just i've just settled on that like i said just because it combines coaching which is what i i believe i do and then the nutrition side of things um but i just don't like calling myself a nutritionist because everyone can call themselves that and the people do there's people out there i've seen who do it so oh, yeah. um i kind of settled on that so it's not protected, uh, but there's none of the titles other than dietitian are protected. That's the problem. Yeah, uh, that's the that's anyone the, can be. But then you you can be the most common title ever and stand out from the crowd still. So yeah, exactly. Um, I don't even remember what the original question. Was <laughs> so far. Yeah, I think, I think leading off that, we're just going to go straight into the into the first question that we want to touch on and we want to kind of talk about, and um, and that is the past which um for for us rich i guess is a bit of a an interesting subject that we do get asked about regularly um yeah but yeah i guess the main question is um what have you learned from your past in this industry like what have you what lessons have you learned that have really informed what you do today um and that have changed the way you do things you know what it's in interestingly enough I haven't changed how I do things that much. And one thing I am is I'm a lot more cautious when I work with people. Um, so the, the newest sort of collaborations I'm doing with Dr. Mendoza and with Phil Lurney, who your guys probably no doubt have heard of, although I'm not, not meant to talk about that until May, but there you go. It doesn't, it's not too strict. <laughs> That's when we, we launch in May. Um, it, you know, I ha haven't really pushed it as hard on them because I, I, I do trust them is, um, yeah, how, how I treat business relationships. Uh, I have to be a lot more mature up front and honest about them because it can be difficult to have discussions with people in business. Like People hate a job interview saying, well, how, much do you, how much is it going to pay? But anyone who thinks that's not a vital question is an asshole, and has, it has to be discussed. If someone, you know, yeah, it shouldn't be your prime motivation in a hippy-dippy ideal world, but it's a massive consideration. Anyone who thinks they can do a job for the pure love of it is going to last a couple months before they lose their house sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so you have to be quite open and honest with those sorts of discussions. So I've become a lot more open and honest with those sorts of discussions. Um, and I've become a lot less uh, concerned or maybe reserved about giving my thoughts on subjects or asking questions i don't mind looking like an idiot anymore i don't mind asking a question that previously i thought could make me look stupid or you know like um when talking with phil quite happily discuss money with him whereas in the past that would be a taboo topic um that has kind of roundabout come from experiences in the past that we both had with companies we've worked from uh, where perhaps things could have gone better if we had been more upfront and uh, less timid to discuss our feelings about things uh, in the past. But other than that, I haven't really changed how I do stuff too much. And I worked with somebody a couple of years ago, and one of the th one of the things I remember them saying to me, um, probably three or four years ago now, was, and I'm quite well known for this in the industry, being just a nice person and having enough time for everybody um, and always trying to make sure there was a happy medium and a, and a good result for, with everything. And I remember them saying to me that I, I was too nice and I wouldn't get anywhere in business being nice. Now, I'm not a massive business guru uh, and I don't profess to have uh, any number figure incomes, keep my, my income reasonably private, but uh, at the moment, I'm on Skype with you in a four-bedroom detached house that I live on in my own in the country, which I paid for myself from the work I've done online in the last few years. So I'd like to think my business has gone all right in the last few years. It's my home. Uh, I have a dog downstairs running around. I'm quite happy. Um, and I have never not been nice in business, despite being told several years ago that I would never get anywhere in business if I was, if I was con continuing to be this nice. So I haven't changed that much. Um, other than, yes, I'm still very nice, but I'm also a lot more frank and honest with everyone and everything. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I can I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> and I think one of the things that um, I know that me and Steve discussed um, 
back in. And Box is like the nicest person I've ever yeah. met. Yeah, right. and that's like a year. In, that was like a year and two months ago now, and we started things, and we were having those initial discussions. Um, and and I remember talking with him at the time. We were just saying, look, you know, these are these are the mistakes that we've learned that that we can't make again. And you know, we're we're really close, and and all six of us actually in Team Box are all very very close, and we're considered very very good friends. But we're still in that position where it's like, no, we need this contract written out, and we need to know where each other stands. And we had a frank conversation the other day, me and Stephen. He sort of said, look, do you think we'll ever fall out? Like, do you think we'd ever, because we've heard things about other companies where best friends have been fired or, you know, their contracts have not been renewed. And you think, hang on, wh- why has that happened? And we, we've, we said, look, do you think that would ever happen? And I said, look, me and you are both very frank and honest with each other. We've learned from the past. We've learned from mistakes other people have made um, for us in a way that we will never be in that position where it gets to that. We all know how that's going to happen or how that might break off. Yeah. Um, but more importantly is we don't have egos. Um, you're the same in that. It, yeah, we are just nice people. Like we're not, we're not egotistical. We're not arrogant. We don't think we're bigger and better than anyone else. Um, so it comes down to treating people how you want to be treated in, in um, business, especially with like Boxy's company. There's a lot of mutual respect there with what Boxy's doing and what you guys do with him. And, Within business, nothing should ever be personal. You should be able to ask any question you want, which comes when, you know, regardless of whether it's hours you work, income, you know, benefits or, or props you're going to get or whatever. And no one should ever, ever take the, the answers personally. But you can make it personal very easily if you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, have you ever experienced anything like this since you worked? Uh, since you since you've become a trainer and since you've obviously you know you've gone on in, in third space a little bit higher up now what, what's your experience <laughs> well third space has treated me pretty well so i guess uh, but i'm also making currently as this podcast is going out i'm also making the move not to be an employee by them um so i'm making the move to be a consultant for them instead and i think on both parties it will look it looks better um for both of us, to be honest. Um, so that's that's just a move that I think there was something that we were discussing before the podcast with Rich about contracts and business, and uh, that's yeah. just that's mostly because of the contract stuff. Um, I wanted some terms in because they know about like this podcast and stuff that we're doing with guys like Rich and reaching out to really cool names in the industry and i i kind of wanted to protect myself essentially for that um and be a kind of a kind of separate entity um i'd still work for the club i'd still be a consultant i still have all the same responsibilities it's just i wanted something in there just to make sure i could keep some stuff maybe if i create it it's mine um which is something i, I do a lot of education at first base so I have my own syllabus, I have my own stuff that I teach, um, and I'm allowed to do that as a consultancy basis over there, which is awesome. So I'm very happy with them, uh, and they've allowed me to do that, so they've respected my my view enough to realize, actually, we'd like to keep you, so you're going to actually agree to these terms and just be like, yeah, cool, absolutely fine, um, and we'll give you some marketing stuff. I know a couple of guys that work with Third Space, yeah. and they do come across as... It's sad to say that, that it's forward thinking to want to do that with your employees, yeah. <laughs> to be comfortable with doing that, but it is. Um, and they've, they've actually as a company, they've always come across quite well. So, so I think is- it's just about give and, it's about give and take, right? It's it's understanding that the company can grow alongside an individual that grows as well. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it's sometimes people get very protective of their company and think that no one person within it should ever be bigger than the company. And the reality is that actually if you have a people that you let them spread their wings and they actually, you know, they start a podcast, they reach out to these big names in the industry and that they get more exposure for your club and they're a good ambassador of the club, then it only yeah. looks good for, for the club. And that's the thing that I find quite interesting, Pretty that people much. are so protective. Your, your employees or your staff and your sponsored sports people, for example, cumulatively should be bigger than the company. Look at who Nike sponsors. You know, they... Cumulatively, the people that they are involved with are kind of what build a large portion of their company. Yeah. Any any company like that. So, yeah. If once you once you kind of forget that and you think that 
especially when you're not just a personal brand as a person, when you're just a company and you start to think that maybe like your gym floor staff are getting too big for their boots or whatever, you've got a bit of a problem. Um, because as long as they're bringing you success, then, you know, yeah, by all means work something out with them, like the contractual stuff, uh, so that you're both happy, you're both protected. But yeah, <laughs> don't, uh, don't spoil that. Your team <laughs> is very- <laughs> the team, the team is very important. I, I, I am a team, essentially part of my job is being a team leader. I'm using air quotes because, uh, Obviously, I might lose my management responsibilities as a consultant, but um, I'm still seen as a team leader and a kind of a head PT. So I still have to kind of maintain morale and educate and just make sure guys are doing okay more than anything else, um, which is, which is I think, something that yeah, I hope that nobody really lose sight of because you kind of, the people you work with should be, hopefully, obviously you're not going to like everybody you work with, but if you employ them, hopefully they're going to be your friends and they're the, probably the best friends you can ever make, right? So me and Dan both met at Third Space, and we, I'd, I'd say we're pretty good friends, Dan. So it's 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 all right. Create a friend. Don't just be like, ugh. Be nice. Exactly, Rich. I'm sure there's there's not many people you don't like in the industry. So you when people who who obviously like you because you're nice. Yeah. So which is great. Hopefully, people yeah. <laughs> that don't like me, I reckon they like. <laughs> But I think I think it, it like like you said, Tommy. It's a testament, like you said, that we're me and Rich are still friends after after everything that we've we've kind of been through. Um, and same with you. Same with yeah. Same same with like Boxy as well. You know, it's exactly the same. Like you know, we're all still uh, we all still get on. Um, yeah, that sounded a little bit weird, but um, yeah. Um, I think yeah. The next, I guess, it needs leads nicely really on to the next kind of point, which. Um, is talking about like the you know the current state of the fitness industry really and what what in what is it in the industry at this moment rich that you've seen that maybe wasn't around a few years ago that's kind of a really really annoying like really just frustrating to see and it, the industry just needs to get rid of it you know what the the industry when we say that well, a lot of the time we're talking about the online industry because we've all moved online heavily lately mm. Um, you guys are probably more gym floor than I am now because you've got third space, whereas I've moved away from that. Um, it's it's funny because the whole emergence of the evidence-based uh, movement was brilliant. People asking more questions. I think for the most part, it's implemented fairly poorly. It's not about what a lot of people do. It's more about becoming more uh, skeptical, thinking more critically, you know, demanding answers for question, uh, for, for demanding the answers to the questions you have for the explanations you're given, that sort of thing, making the public more aware. That's the cool part of that movement. Um, but it's gone so far now, and it's gone so far now that it's kind of lost the the real point of why we had that movement to begin with. Was that information was was very poor and people needed to become accountable for the information they were given so personal trainers needed to be taught to ask better questions to demand better explanations uh, to be able to understand topics better to disseminate disseminate it better and people's thirst for knowledge is brilliant i'll never deny them that it's fantastic that people want to keep learning more and more but now we have the gym floor nutritionist who almost feels like they can't do their job anymore (laughs) (laughs) unless they've got a Level education in nutrition when in reality they really don't need that to be really really fucking good at their job they need to have a high level of empathy a good level of knowledge um the ability to disseminate the information well and a plug for the courses we run a good understanding of the theory of building habits behavior change and you know the motivation and interviewing stuff we do you don't need to have and I, I love like the ISSN I think Laurent Bannock's work Laurent Bannock so his work is fantastic um, the ISSN is brilliant but to be a gym floor PT you generally don't need to go up to like the master's degree level but now we have PTs who because of the evidence based movement feel like they're not good enough unless they do so it, what annoys me in the industry now is, is less of like the, the mass produced bullshit plans of cookie cutters from like the various people like the body coach or whatever who might be firing out loads and loads of poor information. But now the fact that PTs just can't do their job without feeling like shit anymore. Um, and, and 
what it what it is, what I would liken it to is a lot of personal trainers now are almost pressured into what would be the equivalent of you having to do track days in your car every week to learn to be a racing car driver, yet you only ever have to commute from Birmingham to Manchester every day. You're not going to use half of the skills that you're learning. They're great to know and they're fun. And occasionally you might get to when no one's looking. Like, you know, because half of the stuff that PTs know how to do these days, they can really only do it when no one's looking uh, because you're taking yourself out of your scope of practice a lot of the time. Um, so it's like that. You've got all these amazing skills, which are brilliant, but you don't necessarily have to have them. I'm not saying be okay being mediocre. I'm not saying not not having the ambition to do those makes you any better or, or any worse. But it's just a shame that people feel that pressure. I get that. But yeah, yeah, learn as much as you can. Great <laughs> I mean, but I mean, appreciate that. Sim- yeah, it's, it's 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 all right, man. Yeah, it's it's something that I think I I, f- I feel. Yeah, I I, I kind of concur because obviously there's there's some stuff that some people are unbelievable at, and they know a load of stuff about. I think one of the, one of the movements at the moment. I'm going on a uh, a PRI course next month. And this is starting to come, so it's postural restoration, and it's all like neuropathy and neural kind of patterns, and all this. It's like voodoo, basically. Me and Dan have had it done, and <laughs> um, and I have no idea. This is why I'm going to just get some sort of basic understanding of it, and I'm not going to use it because I don't know enough about it, actually. Yeah. But it's, but the same time, it's fun. It's fun to learn, and it's definitely something that you should be picking up. But also. And with, I guess, with the, pre- I guess, with the pressure of trying to learn all the fancy stuff and being amazing at like, all right, you've you've just learned your potential tendons and all this plyometric drills. But I, I, it's the one thing that would annoy me is losing, losing your focus on your stock and trade is coaching a proper squat and pro, uh, proper regression of just doing that and realizing that. Yeah. 90% of the people will get better with that and not the sprinkling yeah. of capoeira dancing that you throwing knives at them <laughs> uh, that you might be able to, that'd be amazing maybe one person in a thousand will train with you because of that but I'm guaranteed the other 999 people who you've coached through probably want to go through a, a hip hinge pattern at some point so. yeah well the, the stuff that we've because I, I've done I have courses that run even like in the UAE now that are all accredited over there because it's way easier to get accredited than and by and large the most popular things that we teach and the stuff that people get the most from are and and i still i still make it quite advanced i still take you know numerical study study data uh i still take movement pattern imaging and all sorts of stuff to make it as interesting as possible because people like it but by and large the stuff that people get the most from is understanding like simple stuff internal external cueing when it's appropriate to use them and, and how to use them, um, various athleticism drills because you know being more athletic is pretty much brilliant for everybody, and basic movements and regressions like you say and proper hip hinging and different things they can use to cue those and just refreshing their knowledge on it and then maybe giving them some maybe a bit further out their theory which is fun to think about and that's it and then they apply that to their practice and. Um, and yeah, like I say, I don't want to come across as if I'm saying don't bother learning as much as you possibly can. Do that. Always do that. But don't feel... I mean, some of the best PTs I know are like new to the industry, heavily overweight, not very skilled people because they have the power of empathy to connect with their client and they get amazing results. And then some of the worst people at tutoring, teaching, and even PTing are people who have so much knowledge but can't get it across. That's a huge problem as well. Is people doing these courses and coming away from them and never being able to implement it because they're not actually smart enough to relay that information back to the layperson. Like that's I see yeah. it every day with um, with nutritionists online and and all that sort of stuff. But just from speaking to people, like mm-hmm. I had a real kind of brainwave the other day and and uh, the other month. Sorry, we were talking about content for social media, and I think sometimes I was guilty of trying to complicate things. And I literally went and just asked some people that I knew and I was like, they didn't care about nutrition. And I was like, look, what, what do you want to know about nutrition? 
oh well is sugar really that bad you know and i'm like shit people still don't know that and i'm like i'm there there trying to think about like you know talking about when to time your carbohydrate for optimal performance and people just literally think still think bread and sugar is bad for them and you know Mm -hmm. they still think that they can eat however many avocados in a day they want and they'll never get fat and all this sort of stuff and sometimes you really have to bring it back and go there's 95 percent of people out there who just need to be coached how to do a goblet squat. They don't even care about like front squats, lunges. They literally just need to learn how to move. You could make a post every day on what is a carbohydrate. <laughs> and every day from posting it, you'd reach a new person who's yeah. never heard the explanation before. You could do that for the rest of your career. <laughs> you know, and every time you, you post it, a new person would see it. And if it was really good, like say say you were great at copywriting and it was a high converting piece, you could just keep putting it out there, the same one every single time, and somebody will read it and it will help them, and maybe they'll contact you and you can work with them. Yeah, you know, it's you not it's not that difficult. So, <laughs> yeah. but that, that's it's, that's the thing. I mean, the, the conversations I'm having now with a lot of people in like the the ACA group um, is like, just uh, do we need to take do we need to take multivitamins? <laughs> What what would be the purpose of, of each multivitamin, or the one that's more recently interesting to them is like okay let's talk because we we do all the energy cycles and everything with them. Let's talk about v, B vitamins and how they play into the energy cycles and energy production. Now you can understand why your vegan client is tired. Yeah, <laughs> that's for them. That's as you know as, as advanced as they need. But the general public, like you say, are always going to have that question of okay, but which food really is making me fat? Yeah, it still comes back to the basics, doesn't it, for a lot of them. Um, I think leading on from that as well with the, with the thing about PTs feeling inadequate and, and that kind of feeling of they should always be doing more is our biggest bugbear, uh, me and Tom talked about it, and last week or the week before, is this whole craze of like, if you're not a trainer earning six figures, you're failing in some way. And it's just, there's this constant boom. It seems to have been this year. For some reason, it's the boom of, Take your business online, earn six figures, do less hours, earn more money. And I'm sat there looking at it going, no, that's, that's <laughs> I, was, I was earning more money being a PT in London. Like, I guarantee that now. And, and we weren't being paid that well then. And I'm like, no, like, this is wrong. And I really want to comment on them all, say, no, no, this is wrong. Like, it's this assumption that for some reason, if you're a trainer, that you don't earn 100,000, that you, you know, you're, you're failing and that you're not as good as everyone else. And there are very few, very, very few trainers online or offline earning that sort of money like don't even well some some people aspire to it some people don't but i don't talk about how much i earn ever i don't normally even talk about my success most people probably still think i live in the forest um or something under some rocks because (laughs) that's down to how i present myself Uh, (laughs) but the first year that i was doing online stuff in fact the first two years i i didn't take a single day off like quite literally, um, obviously automation of social media stuff has come a long way and now you can post stuff without being anywhere near your computer. But there was times where I was working every single day just to keep numbers up on, you know, keep you high in people's news feeds so that you could be seen. I remember I was, made is the wrong word, but strongly persuaded to sit on Twitter for about four hours friending like every single person for an old company I worked for just so we could be in their news feeds. Um, really horribly d- boring jobs that you wouldn't have to do if you were just walking around a gym floor and everyone could see how cool you were. <laughs> well, one of those things feels a lot more like work than the other one. And, you know, one of them is really only good for people who love repetitive jobs. Uh, and, yeah, I ended up working like two years pretty much solid without a single day off. <laughs> yeah that's that's what happens i guess when you chase money right it's uh it that's what it boils down to really is that there's people out there who are willing to chase that and that's their sole goal and they don't really care who they step on to get there right? to put it into perspective as well back then obviously it's very different now but the rough price of a training program or a, a nutritional uh program per month where you were getting to speak to your coach every every week or every fortnight was between fifteen to twenty five pound a month, and now they're like, you know, hundred two hundred pounds a month. It's a lot more value. Yeah, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember the days when I was charging twenty nine quid a month. Like, but again, it comes back to the whole thing though of sometimes you do have to put in the hard yards. Like, I learned so much from those clients paying that much because they didn't really. They weren't they, to them. It wasn't a lot of money yeah, or whatever. My very but, first client got in contact with me recently, and I, you know, he. he he still liked the work we did back then. My very first online client, I'd never done anything like it with him before. You do learn a shit ton from them. Go yeah. on, I cut you off. You, yeah, you just, I mean, and, and, you know, I get people tell me or ask me all the time, like, oh, how do I get into online work? Or, you know, what do I need to do to set up the online stuff? And I'm just like, seriously, just like work your ass off. Like, it's not all hunky-dory. It's really not all that great. And like, yeah, the money that I charge now is, is maybe a bit more, um, bit more akin to maybe a full-time job that most people have. But when I first started... Like, yeah, I was doing it alongside when I was working in football. And the money I used to make at the end of each month from online training, I think I got paid something like four quid an hour or something. Like, the amount of time I put into it. Like, it's just, it's, it's, you have to do that work and you have to put it in to kind of earn your stripes like you do in any job. Um, but the, because of these new marketing people that take £10,000 off someone for doing a, a four-week marketing course where they give you a sales script um they sort of tell you that you can earn 200 pound a month doing online training and the reality is if you're not good at what you do you cannot command that price it's simple um if you don't know what you're doing have the experience um you just can't do it and and that's the that's the that's one of the biggest bugbears for me at the moment uh, in the industry is the marketing (laughs) sorry you had you had my brain going (laughs) yeah it's, 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 and, it, and it's the bit as well, to be honest, that I think I suck at the most. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a good marketer. I'm not. Like, I'm solely relying on my reputation, my results, my knowledge. Like, marketing to me is, is alien. It's like a foreign language. And it's That's one that we have to start he, getting good at. Like, bo- credit to Boxy, his branding, his presence, and everything that he does with his company is fantastic. That's why you work with a team of people. Yeah. That you you work together, you work, you have different things people are good at. So um, when when it comes to me presenting on stages at the expos and stuff, like as of late, when I've all, I've actually put some effort into saying, "Hey, you like that? Come buy our shit." At the end of it, and putting a bit of sales charisma on there has, has been fantastic. I, I mean, I I I'm good at the presentation. I'm good at conveying information. Other people in the company are good at making sure. The advert that we've created goes to someone who will probably buy. Yeah, that's you, the real trick. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be amazing at everything. Um, and the, the the thing is, like, you get it with a lot of the nutritional talks as well. And we we're talking about this with information that isn't even usable. Like, this is why we have our courses applied nutrition and supplementation. And applied is when you have the title of applied, it is always kind of like a bit of a giggle because. People consider it to be the lower of what you know what you can do. Like applied psychology at university sounds like something you just do because you can't quite do regular psychology. <laughs> um, but what it is is you're actually learning how to go out and, and use it and and use it in a useful way. And, and that's what we do with the applied nutrition supplementation. We we the whole part the whole one major part of it is working on case studies together and making what you're talking about and you know how to utilize it with people and doing activity analysis and stuff like that. It's very easy for you to put on a very intelligent-sounding nutritional talk um, and have all the coaches come out of it feeling buzzing, like they've learned a load of stuff, which then in, in three or four hours later, they haven't actually learned anything. They feel like they have. And it's the same with marketing. It's very easy to whip up a storm of people in a room to make them all feel like they're going to go out and do some really good shit. And then as soon as they get home and the reality of their situation sinks in, they realize that, hang on, I can't do this because shit i can't even sit down to write down my thoughts because the baby's crying and my dog is eating a shoe and this is happening and the wife is pissed off at me um, and, and i've got to spend four hours following people on twitter and yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, not not my wife getting pissed off at me i don't have a wife that's not what winds me up um it's the, this whole thing of like if you don't have time to do this is going off on a tangent again, but yeah, they, they'll whip you up into a storm and probably bank on the fact that you'll give them three grand to tell you this and then you can't do it. Um, and then you get the people who are like, oh, well, if you don't have the time to do it, you're obviously making excuses you don't want it enough. There's that whole thing as well that, that annoys me, this this whole I'm better than you fit pro thing going on. And in reality, most people don't have the time to do a lot of this shit because they have different priorities and it's not up to you to tell them what their priorities should be. But yeah, that's a different story entirely. 
I work with people that don't have enough time to stay healthy. I help them get healthy. That's who I work with. You won't work with them because you'd rather send them a meme that says you don't want it enough, you're shit. Well, I work with people. The people who don't want it enough, I work with them and I help them get what they want. Exactly. <laughs> Tom, anything to add to the current things that annoy you? Well, well, kind of touching on, like, I guess... People... You want to talk about a book, Tom? You want to talk about a book, didn't you? Uh, I, 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 will, I will in a bit. I will in a bit. Um, that's, 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 that's I've got hundreds of projects. I've got loads of books. Like, I've, I've got one that says Human Anatomy and Physiology by um, a doctor down here, Marieb, which is pretty good. Yeah, but that's a great book. No? no, we're not talking about that book. All right, cool, wonderful. Um, there's uh, there'll be. Your <laughs> memoir. I think there's there was there was something that I was touching on. Well, that you guys were touching on just then about kind of making quick money and not really caring. Just want to make money instead of not caring. Because I was actually like building on a couple of podcasts ago, Dan, that you got kind of uh, catfished a couple of times, um, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> amazing. It was it was great, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Forty-five-year-old um, man pretending to be a twenty-two-year-old girl. <laughs> I wish, yeah. <laughs> not, not even that exciting. Not even that. No. Uh, but there, there's like um, so along the line, lines that somebody's decided to contact me. But I think there's a real person. Uh, I don't know whether they actually want me involved in this or not. But I'm gonna, I, I will reply because uh, I'm going to find it funny. But if they put us into the podcast, it'd be even more hilarious. To be honest, um, that something about virtual PT which I was I, I, I was I don't really know what that is um, apparently if I missed well, the that's, boat that's surely the more the thing where you you literally would yeah, train that, someone in front of Skype right that's training yeah. someone in front of Skype yeah. right um, but it's something that he's involved in and it's sort of like virtual PT and really easy money when you have free time or any cancellations um, that uh, it's that that literally, literally I was like, oh, I'm interested, I'm interested, and then you said really easy money. Um, I was like, I'd, I'd like to say that the money I do earn, I work hard for, or not, I don't just don't really give a shit that I'm doing. I put my effort into it because I like it and I love what I do. And again, I'm not a six figure, like I'm doing okay. I'm not too bad. I live in London in zone two. Yeah, um, yeah we're all right. But easy money. I was like, okay, well, it just that doesn't. That you've just said easy money. to a person that is motivated by doing something tough. That's, that's brilliant. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, money shouldn't necessarily be hard to come by. No, but the tagline of "it's easy money" is just fraught with the implications of laziness, not caring, no effort. You know, that's the real issue there, I think. <laughs> I think, yeah, and I'm just like, well, you're kind, of, you're kind of saying that all the money I've earned up until now hasn't been easy to make, and I've put far too much hard work into getting yeah. it. Um, so suddenly, I, you're, this, this normal money, this easy money that I want to create is uh, great. So a little bit, that was a little bit off, oh, I don't know, it was on topic, off topic, I'm not too sure, but it, I was thinking I about it. I was thinking about it when, uh, <laughs> when I didn't really. I was just like, "All right, wonderful." I, I'm not really that interested. I'm, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. I think I'm doing all right, so we're okay. Um, but more annoying trends, Dan. I guess um, what you said about a book um, kind of resonates with me a little bit. Um, so I think it's just like kind of selling something that you haven't never been. I guess, um, or maybe going down that kind of route. Do you have anything to allude on there? I just, just be not trying to be an expert in a kind of a role that maybe, you, maybe you're, you're not. Just teeing down up now. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Yeah, but. it's like it's just a bit of a. I just think, yeah, if you've, it's one of those where it's like literally, I can imagine some people are sat there with their big followings um, on Facebook or whatever, going, hmm, how can I make more money out of these people? You know, like. And just randomly spitballing ideas. Like, yeah, they'll buy anything I sell. So I'll just put something out there. And yeah, and it's just a bit frustrating. And again, probably, you know, probably got someone to write them, write the book for them, you know, probably not even really their book. Um, but like you said, sold under under their that name. And it's, that, exactly. No, it happens or in People this industry. Stuff that they didn't write. Yeah. 
yeah, you like it comes back to like we're talking about in contracts. Like you can sign your life away in yeah. a contract. You can write a <laughs> you can write a document, um, give it to someone, and because you're employed by them, they can take it, take your name yeah. off it, put their name on it, and it's theirs. Like legally theirs. Like it's. I, I once had that happen to me. And, and it's and you know that's that's the that's the issue, and it's just because again, like we've probably all got fairly modest followings compared to most people that that write these sorts of books. But it's it's just yeah, it's just a bit of a, it just annoys me, it irks me a little bit because. I, I if you probably, write a book to give advice on something that you have no experience with, basically. Exactly. It's it, it's yeah. like it's like me. It's like me like writing a book on how to how to be a finance expert and save money and sell it to my following. But I have no proof that I've ever saved that much money. I'm just written a book about it. It feels like you're skirting around the book here. That you're really talking about something specific, Dan. No, no, there's not. There's, not. <laughs> there's several of them out there, but there's one that has recently, yeah, caught caught our eye, I guess. But um, but yeah, Shame. awesome to hear about that book. It would be awesome to hear about that book, yeah. Yeah. So I think with the with the there's <laughs> the kind of intellectual property thing as well. You, you both alluded alluded to. So one of the wonderful things about uh, third space is uh, with being my kind of employer that they've allowed me to have that intellectual property, which is amazing, right? So just which yeah, is- that's great, and that's and that's also smart by you though to mm. to say that to say yeah. you wanted it like and to not be scared to say that. I think like you said, that's what Rich alluded to. Maybe Rich would have in past. And the things he's learned is that he would now make sure that his name is on it because it's his work, yeah. right? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, we mentioned it beforehand, yeah. Terms within your contract are really important. Having somebody look over your contract who has your interests uh, at heart is a good thing. Um, so, yeah, I have in past done um, work in which I have signed away what's referred to as your moral rights without realizing I'd done that, meaning that I lost my right to be identified as an author on stuff. Uh, and I've done that in the past couple of years. Uh, and you can be under the one impression that you are doing something, with, and it's very easy as a PT because you're more, more than likely motivated by doing really fun things that help people. And then it can bite you in the ass. <laughs> not by money, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, just, it's not even about, and yeah, it's not about, about money. It's about like, you can see your hard work be, mm. well, taken then fucked up and then yeah butchered <laughs> right so moving on let's go into what, <laughs> what is the most positive <laughs> stuff we can go through so let's let's skew positive for a little bit so future of the industry what can we come what can we look forward to in uh, the future of our fitness and nutrition industry what do you reckon rich industry. um I'm really happy that there is a big focus at the moment, uh, and not just because it's where one of our courses lie, which means people will do the course, uh, but actually thinking more about the management of people's habits and behavior. I mean, that's a really good thing. PTs are now more aware than ever that you don't just give a meal plan to somebody and say, there you go, get on with it, uh, which is good because it means that more people can be helped. I mean, recently, uh, and a great example of this not working how it how it usually is not working is um i can't remember the exact numbers but the nhs recently had like a load of funding basically go to go to shit because they were funding referral schemes to personal trainers did you hear about that and yeah. and it was reported that it was a huge waste of money now if if that happened again in sort of five years time the way the industry is going with everyone's interest in motivational theory and behavioral theory and and basically it's all from addiction but um it still applies to people learning new behaviors and habits and breaking negative habit cycles that would have been a completely different program in five years time if, if the stuff keeps going the way it's going because that was around you taking somebody who's overweight and unhealthy who's got to the way that they are through without sounding unpleasant to them, negligence or lack of education within, and not in a negative way, lack of education isn't necessarily their fault, but lack of education in their situation, they get to a bad state. You then turn around and tell them, you've got to go and see a PT X amount of times, here's the money for it, that'll get you doing it. Whoever decided that was how they were going to do things had no understanding whatsoever of what motivates change in people. No understanding of how you know, the fit, well, a, a, a health journey, if you like, works, uh, and you know that's because I guess people weren't talking about that when that was implemented. Do that in five years' time, yeah, it would be completely different. Hopefully, they'd take into account the process of behavioural change, and they would start going to okay, we're not going to send them to a PT, we're going to send them to a, an actual coach, like a nutritional coach, 
hopefully never a nutritional therapist, uh, and, and stuff would be cool. <laughs> so I think in, in terms of positive, I think coaching and personal training is going to become a lot more personal in the future, even though like, you know, small group PT and stuff is brilliant. Uh, I don't mean like that's impersonal, but I mean, it'll become a lot more personal. That, that will be cool. Yeah, I think that the, at the moment, the, the current trend, I think this year is still based around the um, the smaller group training community kind of feel to, to training. That seems to be the buzz at the moment in fitness based off the back of CrossFit, I guess, which is smart. And I think that, they, that people are starting to realize now that when you make exercise a bit more fun and a bit more social, that actually people are more engaging in it. So like those people who were obese, they don't want to go and see a PT. That's the last place in the world they ever want to be. Even if they think they know they want to change that's the last place they want to be because they're going to feel very intimidated there. They would rather do something at home that they know they can do that's going to help potentially. Um, so I do think that the, the fitness community thing is, is where it is at this year. Um, but I think that my hope anyway, my, my real hope is that in the future, having a personal nutrition coach, whether it's online or offline, will just become more of a normal thing to do. Much yeah. like having a PT is quite a normal thing to do. I think I'd, I'd like or hope in four years time, five years time, when you go to a party and you say, oh, yeah, I've got a nutrition coach. Someone there will know what that means. Um, and yeah. I think that, that that's that's where I hope it will go, because I think that more and more now it's such a saturated market at the moment. But I think in the next few years, you're going to see the cream rise to the top in a way and that people will do an online nutritionists plan not get results and kind of wonder why and then they'll go to a proper nutrition coach who understands coaching behavior change habit formation understanding that actually it's more important than just chicken rice and broccoli or whatever it might be and, and a certain meal plan or training plan and they understand it's more about a lifestyle thing that when that happens it'll be more acceptable too and people will be able to sit in like a, an office job almost you know like you have your own room consulting room yeah. it will be acceptable to go and almost like a GP's office, I'm getting kind of hippie with it now, but almost like a GP's office where you can go, I'm going to go and sit down with my nutritionist at three o'clock and talk about what I've been doing to try and achieve my dietary goals, like a checkup. I just think, I just think the way that... Talking about that, but complementary therapy that isn't based on bullshit and sprinkling herbs on your dick, but yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that the way that, I just think the way that the country and, and the world in, in terms of the obesity epidemic is going, that... I can't see how in the future that what I do or what we do could not potentially at some point, like you say, be considered on the NHS or be considered as part of private healthcare because it's just an element of, you know what, like we know how to make people lose weight and, and get fitter and be healthier. It's yeah. not, it's not a short process. It's a long process, but it requires coaching. It requires constant feedback and that's the bit that people still haven't quite figured out yet. People still think an online nutrition coach just tells you what to eat on your plate. And actually, that's that's the last thing we do, really, in a, in a roundabout way. We actually go a lot a lot more global, a lot further back than that. Um, and, and it is more of a lifestyle thing and, and more of a once you start seeing results and you do it the way that feels okay and feels enjoyable, you carry on doing it. Much the same way that when you have a good trainer or a good group coaching class, you'll keep going because you enjoy it. Um, and because you're seeing results i think that i hope that's where it goes anyway um but that's certainly where i think i think it should go is is like you say that that feeling of yeah i'm popping out like you go to the dentist or to the gp yeah i'm just going to go and see my nutritionist you know i booked in at three o'clock with him um I, yeah. I i hope that that becomes um more the norm um what about the training side of things what do we think i mean it's always hard to predict these types of things right but i guess in terms of training yeah. what what, training. what do you think just well. anything. <laughs> it's, it's funny gym culture has become rapidly less ridiculous uh for the most part in recent years although i still see some ridiculous shit uh and people are valuing actual movement health uh there are a few people who are responsible for you know promoting things like yoga for bloke and i don't mean broga because uh, from what I've seen, that's ridiculous too. Um, but like actual healthy movement, uh, there are people who've done you know a lot of good writing that. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I think it's at quite. I think yeah. I think training is at quite a good place at the moment. People really understand the benefit of resistance training. People aren't afraid of cardiovascular training anymore. People understand why you need a good contrast of all types of training to be 
good at anything. Um, so I think that's that's going a, a very good way. It's harder to be a proponent of training bullshittery outside of crazy movement pattern work um, than it is to be a proponent of crazy nutrition because nutrition is probably the worst science at the moment, uh, you know, of all the sciences. Uh, and it, nutrition is, for whatever reason, really good for people who are highly emotionally driven. It's very easy to convince somebody that like a papaya fruit is curing cancer. Um, whereas if you tried to convince someone that deadlifts were curing cancer, it would just be way more difficult. Uh, and I, I don't honestly know why nutrition is such an emotional subject for a lot of people, whether it's linked to things like eating disorders or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think, I think training is going very well at the moment. People are loving Olympic lifting, people are loving movement health, people are loving athleticism, and people are loving lifting weights. Although you still get people who will talk rubbish, it's becoming increasingly easier to tell them that they're wrong. I think that's where I think it, that's why I see that the nutrition side of things in the future, hopefully, will boom because I, I know people who come to me now and they say, yeah, I train really well, I train really hard, but I still don't look how I want to look. Like they, they, they still don't have the six pack, they still don't have the bulging arms, they still don't have that thing that they thought training might get that yeah they're healthier and like you said they move better they don't their back doesn't hurt anymore their posture's better and, and that is that is great but there is that thing of i used to train people in in the gym and they say the same thing to me like oh yeah but i'm not really changing i'm like yeah but you were on the beers at the weekend like smashing back pizzas and kebabs so you know you've got to work with me for a little bit here we can't just come in here for two hours a week and expect to me to work miracles yeah. and i think that's where there will be that realization. Those people who are switched on with their training, like you say, there are a lot, lot more of them now because Tom works them every day and, and, you know, there are a lot more in the gyms in London, especially is a booming area for it. But they're still having that question now of like, right, I've been training a year. Why do I not look like that guy looks who's on the cover of that magazine? And it comes down to nutrition. Like it, we, we, we all know that now, but they will soon apply the approach that they have to their training to their nutrition. And it's only going to take a matter of time that they get so frustrated with, the fact that they're training so hard and training so well, they it's want easier to, to go off track. It's it's much more difficult to go off track with your training than it is your nutrition. There's probably a good comparison there. So they can they can have the same level of motivation for their training and their nutrition, but you have infinitely more temptations to screw your nutrition up than you do your training. True. For the most part, so that's probably a big reason as to why people find that more difficult. And then managing that becomes difficult. Yeah, that, that's the next challenge. Yeah, <laughs> what about you, Tom? Oh, yeah, it's interesting that uh, there, was a, there was a program on Channel 4. There was some uh, dietitian. She was just like, um, in terms of nutrition and people's um, basically thoughts on it, it was like everybody has an opinion within your field, nutrition, because everybody eats. Therefore, they will have an opinion of what they eat. So immediately, not everybody trains, so not everybody can have an opinion on surely training. Um, so it's kind of, if you do it, you can have a good, a valid opinion, right? So, well, hopefully a valid opinion, yeah. at least a an opinion anyway. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're training, I feel like the future of training, like maybe over the next couple of years is just, um, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I'll skew towards more, maybe, I look at strength and correctives. Um, hopefully, people are getting more savvy with that um, and being able to correct somebody's exercise quite easily instead of kind of going for normal kind of stuff. Not normal stuff, but stuff that will actually help them and you're able to critique somebody's movement along with the movement systems that you talked about on Rich so people can look at movement and then realise actually yeah I, I realise there's all these cool ways to do it but we're going to stick to a path and follow through and get somebody better I feel and hopefully it seems to be I don't know whether it's just obviously I skew a lot of my trainers actually remembering the client's goal when they came in as well you're trying to do a little bit of what you can but remember what they want to come in for um, so hopefully correctives and kind of goal setting with their behaviours. So hopefully that'll be a, a good future in the industry and a lot of people learning about those kind of things. So there's a lot more, a lot more knowledge out there to learn about just corrective exercise and breathing patterns. Yeah. I think we've we've learned <laughs> we're, we're starting to learn that by that massively. 
I guess it's getting better as well because it's a lot harder to get a personal trainer that is terrible than it is a nutritionist who's terrible because to be a personal trainer you have to have a premises so that's a major barrier already and a lot of the people who get personal trainers are getting them from somewhere like Virgin Active or you know um, Third Space where there is some sort of barrier to entry to becoming the PT so there is a slightly higher standard where there's no barrier to entry to becoming a nutritionist you could just be some dude who dis- discovered that eating large amounts of kale made them feel good, and you're a, you're a nutritionist. You know, mm-hmm. you could be a dude who realised that maybe not eating strawberry laces for breakfast helped you lose weight, and you're a nutritionist. And like you said, there's more people giving more opinions, and the general public isn't very good at critical thinking. So the more opinions that are thrown at you, the more difficult it is to think critically about them. And it's a very emotional area, so you're more likely to go with the one that appeals to you most emotionally. Because mm. we, we've seen the ridiculous arguments that the BBC might put out a thing like cigarettes increase cancer risk by X amount. And you'll get droves of people going, well, my grandmother smoked cigarettes until she was 109 and she was fine. <laughs> As if that's proof that some <laughs> yeah. carcinogenics is wrong. You know, people just have terrible, terrible critical thinking skills, which takes me back to the, the, really, the thing we talked about right at the start. The movement towards evidence base was great when it was to do with empowering people to ask questions better. But we've lost sight of that. So now we've gone back to the fact that your grandmother, who slathers herself in peanut butter every day and has beautiful skin, is concrete evidence that fatty acids are great for your skin. When it's not. It's called an anecdote, dear. It's not concrete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I can, uh, I can definitely, uh, definitely relate to that. I think... Um... I think that's that's something that's that like you say very prevalent um, at the moment, and, and like you say, we'll see uh, we'll see, see where it goes. I guess. Um, is there anything else either of you two wanted to add to this podcast? I realise we're nearly at probably over an hour now, are we? It's, it's been a long one. We're we're, we're on so. we're on an hour, so I think I think there's just there's a couple more things I want to. So with Rich on, obviously he's a kind of a trusted nutritional mind, um, especially. Within this podcast, so, so a little bit more than Dan, mate. So, all right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and um, obviously, with um, all three of us, big, big advocates, and hopefully in the future, leading lights of the evidence-based practice. Um, are there any guys that you follow, or you you would like to spout out some of their good work that they're doing? Myself. There we go. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I thought you were asking me. Not as if that was, are you asking myself? You're asking Dan. I, I'm, I'm asking you. I know Dan far too, far too well. On, so. on that note of myself, I imagine a lot of your guys go to Body Power, SFN, maybe Irish Muscle Power. I'm at all of those. So if you ever want to come and get a lock of my hair or whatever, then yeah, come and speak to me there. Um, but in, ter- uh, in terms of people to follow in the industry, there are a few people who I rate very highly. Um, obviously, the work that I do with Gary and, and Phil at the ACA now, so the Advanced Coaching Academy, um, is well worth checking out. So I will plug that. Yeah. So please give me all of your money. And <laughs> I'll talk to you. Uh, uh, so that's good. Um, all right, top to bottom of the country. We start up north. There's a chap called Scott Bapti who runs a similar podcast, which I've been on a couple of times, which is also nice if you're interested in more of just the nutrition. I hope I'm not sending people away from your podcast by doing that. The nutrition uh, side of this podcast is shit anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> right, fine. That's why you're scraping the barrel with me here. <laughs> uh, he, he's his food for fitness, and he's a lovely chap. Um, and then I would say like Paul Garvey and Fitness Training Scotland, uh, although they're not really... They're only there if you're interested in the training and furthering your training in physical training. Um, and then I'm trying, to, I'm trying to geographically post people as to where I think they are in the country now. I'm not sure who fills the void in Manchester and Durham and that area, unfortunately. Um, but as you sweep down, obviously I have to say Martin McDonald and his work is fantastic. A lot of respect for him. I presented with him a body power and he's brilliant, even though he's massive competition for us at the moment. <laughs> he's still a brilliant guy. Um, and his, his, the stuff he does is still great. And the Lift the Bar guys and the um, Shredded by Science guys are well worth listening to and learning from as well. Uh, we need more Southern people in the industry, don't we? Like, who, who's hitting up Cornwall and 
Oh, that's that's deep south, that mate. That's that's getting real far now. I don't, that there's nothing. Accents of podcasts. There's there's nothing down there's nothing down there, is there? It's just beaches, beaches and surfers. I think. Um, but yeah, I think. If there is any listeners in uh, <laughs> in Cornwall and Devon that do PT, we'll quite happily give them a shout out. Yeah, and driving business. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, let's <laughs> get let's get an email in from them. Come on, let's hear from you. Um, PTs yeah. in Cornwall and Devon. Let's get all six of them on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's not one of those. All the um, I'd love to shout out to, but yeah, it's not a it's not, this is not a radio show and exactly. Yeah. But all the, all those guys you mentioned are all. Um, all the guys you mentioned are all guys we've we've touched on before and we've spoken about and um and like you say hopefully uh, in the near future you know we're all going to be leading that that kind of evidence based practice together I think that's the key is I think like you mentioned you know there there is competition within these these companies but at the same time we've all got the same end goal right which is just to help people and that's the that's the overriding goal it's not necessarily to be the to be the richest or to be the most successful, it is literally just to help as many people as possible. Um, and I think that, that the more we all come together and help each other out, the, the better. And I don't see any problem with with shouting out and, and helping people in the industry um, who are like that because we're all spreading the same message. As long as we can we can quieten down the people that aren't sending out the right message, I think that's that's um, that's that's all for the good uh, in the long run. Yeah, don't be afraid to shout. Calling out people some people don't agree with, but there's nothing wrong with asking for an explanation. As to why they've said it, yeah, you, be skeptical. You you never mm. know that some your explanation might resonate with them and they might change their view. So, which which would be which would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, on that note, um, thanks for coming on, Rich. I think it's been well, an absolute sure. pleasure. Um, we've we've actually gone over the a lot of time that our listeners normally listen to us for about. Um, so. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's a good podcast with good content. I listen to there we go. There's the XXL. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Dan, um, obviously, Team Box had their uh, yeah opening last week. All good. Obviously, if you've missed the missed good, the doors, but yeah. all good. Um, if, if I'm sure you'll still receive emails, so even from this podcast comes out. Probably yeah, thousands, <laughs> mate. I get my inbox is cluttered. It's cluttered full. All good. Um, Yeah, so thanks to Rich, thanks to Dan, and we will catch you next week, guys.